When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Conspiracy the Show, I'm Adam Todd Brown, who are you? I'm Fizza Dasani. We are your hosts. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good, you know, all things considered. I know people are pretty stressed out. I'm a little stir crazy, but I mean, we're in sunny California. Have some space. We have technology. I don't have to be there. You don't have to be here. We're still doing it. Yeah. It's uh it's been a while since you've been on. We had to that that's been the hardest thing about this, figuring out how to get everyone into a spot where we can all record again. How have you been since I I saw you last? Well, I always think about that coronavirus episode we recorded, and, you know, I think it was so new that none of us really knew anything, so I just wonder if I was a little too cavalier during it, like, we're going to be all right, and now, like, you know, I haven't left my apartment for, like, two months, <laughs> as that, if it's locked down, but for two months, so, I mean, I'm okay, you know, it's just a lot's changed. Yeah, we have a few episodes on the network where we talk about coronavirus and we're like oh come on we're a rich nation we'll be fine and it's like yeah trump's still our president though yeah just just these choices these choices these very questionable choices we are faced with a lot of questionable choices these days (laughs) especially as it pertains to the presidency but that is not what we're talking about today No, it's not. We are talking about the theory that the United States government intentionally or otherwise spread Lyme disease in the United States during the Cold War by way of weaponized ticks. And this is the kind of thing people hear that and immediately want to kind of laugh it off because weaponized ticks sounds like such a crazy sci-fi future kind of thing. But there's actually a lot of history behind us experimenting with stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, I think when when you're thinking about bioweapons, it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy because ticks can infect people without them having to like breathe something in. It's like direct to the bloodstream. Ticks, mosquitoes, these bugs that can carry diseases and spread it amongst humans. So it's not it's not too crazy, but like, you know, it's it, people who aren't privy, I think, to just sort of the insanity that are, uh, maybe insanity is not the right word, but the sort of the extreme types of testing our government's capable of are, I can see how they think this is crazy. I don't. <laughs> I'm privy. <laughs> and there are some parallels between this conspiracy theory and what's happening with coronavirus now because there are there is a segment of society that thinks 
coronavirus came from a lab. And the argument really gets blurred when it comes to came from a lab versus created in a lab. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's found in nature, then it's already out there. Right, which people seem to take to mean as, well, then if it's in nature, it can't have escaped from a lab. But yeah, it can, because the the lab in question in China is a lab where they work on a lot of different viruses and study them and research them. And fucking accidents happen. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibility that something could have escaped from there accidentally. And that's different from saying they created this and unleashed it on us. Yeah, because one's diabolical and the other is an accident. Right. And it's the same thing with this. They, You hear the same argument, which is that, well, Lyme disease has been around for thousands of years. Of course, it didn't come from a government lab. But that's not really what people are saying. What people are saying is the government was testing this particular means of delivering diseases to a population at a lab in the same area where this outbreak happened. What if it escaped on accident? And it really isn't that crazy of a suggestion in either case. Yeah, not at all. And then most of this research has come from Chris Newby. She wrote the book Bitten. And the thing about Chris Newby, she's not a crazy person. Yeah, that's really important. I think, you know, to to note that she's not crazy. This is a reliable, rational resource. She's a science writer at Stanford University, um, and she produced that Lyme disease documentary under her skin, which premiered at Tribeca and was an Oscar semifinalist. So, yeah, not Alex Jones, <laughs> which helps. It definitely helps. It, it lends some credibility to this when it's coming from a science writer and not a guy who's trending on Twitter right now because he wants to eat his neighbors. Did you see that video? I saw him trending, but I didn't see why. Now I know. He wants to eat his neighbors. Yeah, the, the supply chain is breaking down pretty soon. He's going to have to eat his neighbors. How funny would it be if his neighbors saw that and defend that off? They went and ate him right now. <laughs> Why is he going to eat them? I need something to wipe, wipe my ass with. I'm going to wipe my ass with my neighbors. Yeah. You can wipe your ass with all the free parking spots in L.A. now. They're everywhere. <laughs> just great. do that thing the dogs do. Just like rub my butt on the floor. <laughs> exactly. So another thing about Chris Newby, she had Lyme disease. She and her husband both suffered from Lyme disease for five years. So she's got a dog in the fight. Yeah. So she's not on some crazy conspiracy theory quest. This is someone looking into a thing that happened to them personally. So what is Lyme disease? It is a bacterial disease transmitted by ticks discovered by Willy Bergdorfer in the 1980s. And I'm sorry, scientists should not get to be named Willy. Not a, it's just not a science name. Yeah, you either go Will or William. You don't go Willy. <laughs> what if it was like a, it, maybe if he was referred to as William and then in quotes, Willy, in, <laughs> as like sort of the middle name Bergdorfer. That's worse. It is worse. You know, it's <laughs> maybe, uh, I'm, I'm just going to let the guy live. Or is he alive? Too I'm just late gonna for that. Let him rest in peace. <laughs> that works. <laughs> 
here's here's how much of a Willie Willie Bergdorfer is. I I think I accidentally <laughs> took this out of the notes, but I'm not sure if this is how he discovered Lyme disease or if this just happened while he was researching it. But at one point while in the lab, he splashed his eyes with Lyme disease infected rabbit urine and gave oh. himself Lyme disease. Oh my god. That's such a fucking willy move. Yeah, that's he willied. He willied <laughs> he willied the shit out of that. So he actually isn't Lyme disease like a lifelong ailment? That's one of the debates about it. Is yeah. there are a lot of people who want it classified as a chronic illness. Yeah. And what ends up happening is people who suffer from Lyme disease will go to the doctor and be told that what they're suffering from is in their head. Yeah. Which happens with a lot of chronic conditions. Fibromyalgia, too, is one. I knew a girl with fibromyalgia, and that happened to her all the time. She would, like she was in France at one point and went to a doctor, and the doctor straight up said fibromyalgia is fake. And what's oh, wow. happening to you is in your head. And that happens with Lyme disease, too. Yeah, there's a lot of neurological issues that happen with Lyme disease, right? There's neurological symptoms. One of the problems with it is it's really hard to detect. The most common test they use for Lyme disease fails to catch Lyme disease like half the time. Oh, wow. In well. early cases. And... Yeah, I think um, Newbie and her husband, they were misdiagnosed initially, right? Or actually, they suffered from Lyme disease for a year before being diagnosed. Yeah, that's one of the big issues with how it spreads is by the time people finally take a test that comes out positive, they've had it for like a month or six weeks. And it's a disease like most diseases that if you don't treat it, it gets progressively worse. So at first you just have a rash and maybe headache, flu-like symptoms. So you might just think you have a flu. So you go to the doctor and get tested. And because the test for Lyme disease is so shitty, it doesn't pick up anything. So the doctor's mm. like, eh, you got the flu. And then if it stays untreated for a few months, it can cause face paralyzation, joint pain, headaches, and heart palpitations. If left untreated for six months, 60% of sufferers develop Lyme arthritis if left untreated for six months, 5% of untreated Lyme sufferers develop chronic neurological symptoms, which include memory loss, insomnia, and a general sense of feeling unwell and changes in personality. Yeah, and in super bad cases, Lyme can cause chronic encephalomyelitis, which yep. uh, resembles multiple sclerosis. And yes, I did say uh, encephalomyelitis. You nailed it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Prepping for that all morning. <laughs> <laughs> it resembles MS, which is pretty horrible. Um, cognitive impairment, brain fog, migraines, balance issues, weakness in the legs, um, etc. Awkward gait. Awkward gait, yeah. <laughs> so if you've noticed your friend has developed an awkward gait, get them to a hospital and have them tested for Lyme disease. There's a 50% chance that it'll be accurate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's neurological symptoms as well. Panic attacks, psychosis, delusions, and depersonalization. And then you, you were, you, I think you mentioned blood testing's often negative in the early stages. So yeah, if you don't get treated, then it just gets worse. And currently the only treatment is antibiotics. 
there is no vaccine. One was available between 1998 and 2002, but it was withdrawn from the market due to poor sales. And that part will be important later. As far as the history of Lyme disease, it was diagnosed as a condition in 1975 in Old Lyme, Connecticut. You think they have like a Lyme disease festival every year? Like... Like the place where the Mothman destroyed that bridge. They have a Mothman <laughs> celebration every year. They have a Mothman celebration? There are Mothman statues. And it's like the legend is that he killed like 40 people in town. Yeah. Like kids, right? Kids, parents. He destroyed a bridge. Like a rush hour bridge. Isn't it funny how history just sort of changes? Oh, yeah. There will be a 9-11 festival in New York someday. <laughs> <laughs> So the Lime Festival, which uh, we cannot confirm. Yeah, hopefully we can get booked on it at some point, though. (laughs) I know, when we have shows again. (laughs) Exactly. So Old Lime, Connecticut. Old Lime, Connecticut. Prior to the 19th century, Lyme disease was present for thousands of years in America and had spread along with its tick hosts from the Northeast to the Midwest. So that's, again, that argument that people use when it comes to this theory is, no, it wasn't created by the government. It was around for a thousand years. It's like, yeah, two different things, though. Yeah, yeah you, can still, you can still unleash something that's been around in an area and cause a lot of damage. Yeah, especially if you have a whole collection of ticks that have it and they yeah. somehow get out. I hope, it, I hope it wasn't like some boring... Oh, a guy was carrying a case of them and dropped them. I hope those ticks escaped. I hope there was a plot. I want to see the animated movie. (laughs) What would the animated movie be named? Ticks World Tour. (laughs) Yeah, they just, you know, they're very ambitious. (laughs) Yeah. Got a bunch of spunky personalities in the group. Like a punk rock tick. So I assume the Lyme disease doesn't mess with these ticks. They're just carriers. Yeah, they just they just carry it and people hate them for it, which it's not their fault. Don't be so hard on ticks. So yeah, we know Lyme disease has been around for a long time. And another thing that we know was around, at least for a little while, was the U.S. Biological Weapons Program. This was a program started in 1943 under the Roosevelt administration after World War II, ran for 27 years until 1970 and it was managed by the u.s army chemical corps out of camp dietrich later fort dietrich in maryland so same general area of the country yeah and um i mean over that 27 year history the following bio agents were weaponized and stockpiled i think that's that's important when it comes to sort of like this accidental or intentional release is just there's a lot a lot of these tiny little things but the following were the bioagents um, that they stockpiled anthrax is the most recognizable one but some of the other ones are um, tularemia brucellosis q fever um, vee botulism and uh, there's looks like some sort of like staph infection staphylococcal enterotoxin b yeah and they they kept big stockpiles of this stuff there so again when like you said when you're talking about something escaping from a lab it's not gonna escape in the amount that it's just naturally found in nature there's gonna be a lot of it in a concentrated area yeah but in 1969 president nixon ended all offensive aspects of the bioweapons 
program, which fucking <laughs> sure he did. Yeah, it's just a term, right? We're always we're we're just defending ourselves. Yeah, it's just like when MK Ultra ended. It's like okay, yeah. that means you just sent up a bunch of compounds in Latin America. Uh, in 1975, the U.S. ratified the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention and the 1925 Geneva Convention, no rush, outlawing <laughs> biological warfare. Uh-huh. <laughs> and again, sure it did. <laughs> Meanwhile, the gas we dropped on the Branch Davidians was banned by the Geneva Convention before we dropped it on them. We still use that gas on protesters today, most recently in Ferguson. It's called CS tear gas, banned by the Geneva Convention, used by police all over the fucking country. It's not a secret. Yeah. So please tell me more about how we don't engage in (laughs) biological weapons research anymore. Something needs to be updated. Someone's bio or (laughs) internet description. We do still have a biological defense program again not of not offense we're not being offensive we are just defending ourselves against against what what are we what are we fighting against Mm, good question (laughs) (laughs) and the thing about this bioweapons program it's a lot like mk ultra it happened around the same time as mk ultra and whereas that was us doing psychological experiments on our own population without their knowledge with the bioweapons program we were conducting fucking chemical weapons experiments on the public without their knowledge a lot of the time yeah that's pretty outrageous you know like it's just people get paid to be part of experiments you should get paid to be part of an experiment and you should probably know about it as well right yeah especially if it's one that involves the government dropping chemicals on you from planes overhead and that's exactly what we did with this program in 1949 the first test happened it was called a vulnerability field test and in that test we just sprayed harmless bacteria into the air conditioning system (laughs) to see how far it would spread so they just chose a. <laughs> they did it to themselves and everyone in their own building. I mean, I I'd be pissed off if I worked at the Pentagon and had nothing to do with this. Like if I was someone's fucking secretary. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck. They did another test in San Francisco using bacteria similar to anthrax, but harmless. Don't worry. We hope. In 1956, the New York City subway was contaminated with the same bacteria in an attempt to simulate the spreading of anthrax in a large urban population. I mean, you know how we were talking about how anthrax can or these things can occur naturally in nature? I like when I think of the New York subway system, I just think anthrax could be in there already yeah like we put it down there once how do we know the shit we put down there hasn't evolved since then (laughs) it has um it's conscious sentient top and turn styles (laughs) what this is one of the big problems with programs like this white people tend to get treated one way which is uh we're just gonna spray some harmless shit around and see what happens Meanwhile, in 1951, the program infected a large group of African-Americans with a fungus to see if they were more susceptible to infection. Oh, wow. A fungus. And yeah, that wasn't... Notice the words harmless aren't in there. No. (laughs) It was just... You think black people get infected easier? Let's check. (laughs) 
Well, but it was 1951. Who was going to complain? Black people, obviously. But it, well, who was going to listen? About it, if you don't know what's happening, then yeah, what course of action can you take? And this carries on throughout the 50s. And this is another important detail. In the 1960s, the aim became to develop weapons that would incapacitate rather than kill. Like Lyme disease. Like Lyme disease. And one of, when people debunk this theory, one of the things they say is, well, it's not lethal. So it wouldn't even make sense as a biological weapon. And it's like, unless you're trying to develop a non-lethal biological weapon, (laughs) then it makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's uh, there's other ways to ruin people's lives besides killing them. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point, the <laughs> Vietnam War, when the U.S. just dropped this herbicide called Agent Orange, like we were trying to clear out trees so we could see Charlie, <laughs> and the government eventually admitted that, okay, yeah, we gave everyone cancer. Sorry about that. Sorry. So yeah, this is a thing we did on our own people in the United States. We also, there have been allegations of us doing this in other countries. In 1962, CIA operatives contaminated a shipment of sugar while it was in storage in Cuba. A Canadian agricultural technician claimed that he was paid $5,000 to infect Cuban turkeys with Newcastle disease. 5000 That's it? I know. What year was this? Yeah, I mean, it it was probably the 60s or 70s, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the 60s or 70s, 5,000 is like, you could get a lot further with 5,000 back then. In 77, the Cuban government blamed the U.S. for a serious outbreak of African swine fever, claiming the U.S. was trying to destabilize the government. And the Cuban government blamed the U.S. for an outbreak of dengue fever, another vector-borne disease like Lyme disease, which is carried in mosquitoes. Yeah, so for biological weapons, we got ticks, we've got mosquitoes, vector-borne diseases. And then uh, then there's the Korean War. Yeah, the Korean War is really interesting because there's a rumor or conspiracy theory that we used biological weapons during the Korean War. And one of the most famous aspects of that war was a bunch of American POWs were taken into custody by North Korea. And on video, they were like, yep, we dropped biological weapons on the Koreans and we are sorry. And when those soldiers came home, they were like, there was mind control happening. They like brainwashed us into saying that. So the confessions were under duress, supposedly. Right. And... That prompted us, one, to start MKUltra. Like, that's where MKUltra started. <laughs> I love how that's what we get from this, you know? Yeah. That that was literally what we got from it was, oh, shit, we can do that? That Wait, how did they do that? And so we spend uh, the next 30 years trying to replicate that. That's ADD. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so you just started a whole program. You're like you're trying to keep up with the Joneses in North Korea. Yeah. And the thing about those confessions happening under duress, it doesn't mean they weren't true. Yeah. It just means we wanted to know how North Korea got them to say it. Because (laughs) normally you're not going to get, like, that's, if you're going to war expecting to fucking blab all the secrets if the enemy catches you, fuck you, don't go to war. Yeah. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. And like, I feel like especially then, most U.S. troops probably wouldn't have said anything about it. They would have lied about dropping chemical weapons. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that those co- 
confessions might have been coerced means nothing to me. Yeah, it could be, you know, it could be true. It could be coerced. It could be coerced and it's still true. Yeah. I don't think we've ever done an episode just about chemical weapons in Korea, but we should. It's There's a lot of interesting uh, evidence, I guess you could call it, out there. But because the government has never officially recognized it as real, then it's not official evidence. But if we did that, it would explain a whole lot about how we treat North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Because we do not want that country's history getting out onto the world (laughs) stage. Holy shit. Oh my God. So let's talk about Willy Bergdorfer. Willy. He is a Swiss tick scientist, and by that I mean he's a tick who's good at science. (laughs) Big Uh, fucking man-sized tick. (laughs) I would, I'd love to see a picture of Willie. <laughs> oh, I had one at one point. Yeah. Uh, I think it. I was just Googling around, but he looks like a Willie Bergdorfer. Okay. I was thinking he might actually look like a tick who's good at science, <laughs> like a nerdy tick. Um, that would be he, the coolest. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's, he attended a doctoral program in parasitology, um, also studied worms and uh, tropical bacteria, bacteria, <laughs> Can you help me out there? Bacteriology. Bacteriology? Bacteri- I think we got it. I spent all my time trying to pronounce that one word at the top, which I don't even remember anymore. That bacteria. I, think it was I don't even have Myoencephalitis or something? Myeloencephalitis? I don't even remember. But um, this was in Switzerland at the University of um, Basel? Basel? Basel, I think. And then he developed his love affair. Um, which is in the words of Chris Newby. Yeah. His love affair with ticks <laughs> sounds like a, a memoir. <laughs> his love affair with ticks began in 1948 when he was 23 and studying at that university. What people leave out of his story is that those ticks were only 14 at the time. Oh. This guy's a huge creep. Oh, creeper. <laughs> Willie. That explains the name a little more. Yeah. A grown-ass man named Willie and his <laughs> young-ass ticks. But um, he really did have this love, like, it was a long love affair. He spent um, 30 years studying ticks and tick-borne diseases. And he is credited with discovering the bacteria that causes Lyme disease in 1981 after a breakout in the northeastern United States in the 70s. So, yeah, it's been around for for a long time, thousands of years, but it is interesting that there would be a sudden and uh, acute outbreak in a very sort of concentrated area. Yeah. And another thing when people debunk this theory, one of the things they bring up is, well, there were cases of Lyme disease outside of that area, too. And again, that's that's because it is naturally occurring out in the world, but there could have also been a huge influx of it in one particular part of the country. Exactly. So there would be cases all over the place if it's naturally occurring. I mean, I was just going to say most of the people I know with Lyme disease trace it back to Connecticut. Really? I think so. I think they've all been sort of in like the Northeast. The only person I know with Lyme disease is... Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates, and I don't know him personally. I just know I was trying to see Hall and Oates in concert in the early 2000s, and it got canceled because he had Lyme disease. Well, at least the doctors didn't tell him it was all in his head. Yeah, well, <laughs> of course not. It's a rich white dude. You can get any medical treatment he wants. Oh, what it is to be rich and white. Oh, it must be nice. Here's- Someday I'll get there. <laughs> 
halfway I, there. Yeah, exactly. I am just striking out on all accounts. <laughs> so let's talk about the Willie Bergdorfer theory. Let's. In 2013, Chris Newby saw an interview with Willie where he hinted that our current Lyme disease outbreak could be a bioweapons experiment gone awry. Shortly before his death, he was interviewed by a Lyme disease documentarian slash bioweapons researcher named Tim Gray. And in the interview, Bergdorfer apparently said that he believed the outbreak of tick-borne diseases that started around Lyme, Connecticut, had been caused by a bioweapons release. And the problem with all of these interviews is that Willie Bergdorfer suffered from Parkinson's disease near the end of his life. He died in 2014. So his answers are sometimes as mysterious as the shit we're talking about. Like at one point, he answers a question from Chris Newby literally by saying, question mark. (laughs) He said the words, question mark. He said the words, question mark, as an answer to a question. (laughs) So the the interviews with him are a little weird. Yeah. This is the exchange that caught Chris Newby's attention. The interviewer asked, if there's an emergence of a brand new epidemic that has the tenets of all those things that you put together, do you feel responsible for that? And Willie said, yeah, it sounds like throughout the 38 years, I may have the lab director telephoned me. This is director so-and-so. I got somebody here from the FBI. Will you come down and we will ask a few questions? Exactly the same thing. I recall all these discussions. And that is the quote that people seize on as Willie Bergdorfer's admission to being involved in releasing this from a lab. But it's not. It's not really. I mean, it is, but it's pretty vague. Yeah, it doesn't talk about anything like um, like an intentional release. It does sound like the FBI utilized him. That's the thing. I can't tell if he's implying that the FBI wanted to work with him or if they were investigating him for having released this. I get the impression that they they were working with him. He has some value. The organization itself, you know, they're not comprised of scientists. They're not making these weapons. They're not doing this research. So they need people to do that. They were probably trying to see if we could spy on the Black Panthers with ticks. <laughs> Can we just drop ticks in Oakland and put fucking cameras in them put cameras in the ticks <laughs> oh man little baby cameras too bad we lost willie now our cameras are so small what if they just made ticks that were strong enough to carry regular cameras <laughs> this wouldn't be subtle <laughs> oh i mean the t- i mean but you know what some of these cameras are really small so maybe if you just hung a hung a teeny little camera on its teeny little <laughs> abdomen little lanyard around the ticks neck <laughs> police body cam so um yeah i mean i'm not gonna sit here and assume that willie was trying to harm people but it does sound like you know the fbi or a lot of the government organizations which are capable of uh, experimenting on people without their knowledge at the very least you know he was work maybe his he was working for a shitty boss he did at the very least admit that at various points when he was working in different government labs one of the things he was working on was injecting ticks with diseases and seeing if it was a way that you could spread disease yeah (laughs) even if willie didn't do it 
and they're just uh, chasing the wrong lead here. I still feel like there's something to the theory that this came from a lab accidentally or on purpose because we were doing a lot of research in this field and one of the labs where we were doing it is very close to where this outbreak happened so it's really not that crazy yeah i mean i think people hear the word conspiracy and it sets up a red flag but we can't just trust every all the information that's just fed to us we have to think a little critically yeah and the the stuff about him spending years injecting ticks with Lyme disease that comes from his own scientific journals that's not conjecture it's from his documents from his time working there yeah and this is a quote from the book bitten he was growing microbes inside ticks having the ticks feed on animals and then harvesting the microbes from the animals that exhibited the level of illness that the military had requested. Mm, Okay, well, there's a military request. What does that imply? Yeah, that 100% implies that they were trying to use this for something. And when he discovered Lyme disease, he was studying deer ticks from Long Island to uncover what was triggering spotted fever cases. And Long Island, Old Lyme, Connecticut, that is the area where this outbreak happened in the 70s. Yeah. So there's a bunch of science stuff in the notes that we can probably skip. People, yeah. I mean, if you're interested in more on this topic, read the book Bitten. There's an audiobook version that's like five hours long. The thing that comes up the most is this thing called the Swiss agent. Mm. And apparently around the time Bergdorfer had discovered the Lyme bacterium, he had also found another microbe that he called the Swiss agent. And when Chris Newby read through his personal papers, she learned that he initially thought the Swiss agent could have been the culprit of Lyme and that it was found in blood samples of people diagnosed with the illness. Eventually, though, the Swiss agent was missing from scientific journals and all but forgotten. Oh. And Chris Newby and Tim Gray visited the National Archives to search through Willie's papers to try and verify this admission that he you know was testing this strain of Lyme disease in a lab and they didn't find anything but they did find a folder labeled the Swiss agent and that folder was empty Mm. so the thinking is the Swiss agent could be a bioweapon or something that at some point in the research they decided to go in another direction and make it a bioweapon which if we've stopped making bioweapons in 1969 of course once you go down that path it's going to have to be a secret thing it's not going to be you're not just going to put it in the fucking government records yeah (laughs) anything that's a little sketchy and all through the 1950s this was what willie bergdorfer was doing they were studying ticks and what kind of diseases they spread yeah, I mean, he he had an extensive collection of tick colonies. He was the go-to person for special tick requests for bioweapons. So, you know, his his work was a part of this la- larger bioweapons operation. That, you know, I'm not going to say he's responsible for all of that, but there was some contribution. Yeah, he had knowledge of this program. And in 1953, the Biological Warfare Laboratories at Fort Detrick established a program to study the use of arthropods for spreading anti-personnel biological warfare agents. And like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is a, a quote, the advantage of vector-borne diseases as biological weapons 
Arthropods inject the agents directly into the body, so a mask offers no protection. They remain alive for some time, keeping the area consistently dangerous. So it's not just that spreading disease by way of ticks or mosquitoes isn't crazy. It's actually kind of a good idea. It's effective. Yeah. It's a great way to spread something in an area where you don't want people to know you were the one who spread it. It's smart. It's what I would do. You know what? I'm buying some ticks after we're done with this. (laughs) You got some ticks with some people's name on it? Yeah. You're going to send some ticks to some... (laughs) mailing out ticks to people. (laughs) You had it coming. I know ticks, like, ticks are the new anthrax in the mail. (laughs) You know how, like, at, like, fancy weddings, sometimes you'll open a box and, like, butterflies and shit will come out? It'd be, like, sort of like that, except it's just, like, surprise, I'm going to hurt you. Bill Gates once was giving a talk about malaria to a group of fellow rich people. And in the middle of that talk, he opened a jar of mosquitoes and just let it out into the room. And he they were like harmless mosquitoes. But when he did it, he said, if poor people have to worry about this, you should too. Wow. That's theatrical. Yeah, it's probably the only interesting thing Bill Gates has ever done. I mean, except invent personal computers, obviously. That was pretty He's cool, like too, the, I guess. Like, you know, if, if oatmeal were, were a person. <laughs> the Bill Gates story. But like really healthy oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, the steel cut kind that takes like 10 minutes to cook. And tastes awful, but is really good for you. Great for you. So not only were we working on stuff like this, we actually ran a couple of tests. In 1954, the Army tested prototypes for the deployment of uninfected fleas in what it codenamed Operation Big Itch. And in 1955, they ran a similar test with mosquitoes called Operation Big Buzz. Not too subtle. Yeah, this is the kind of shit we were getting up to in the 50s and 60s as a government. We were throwing everything at the wall to see what worked. Yeah, I mean, can you just imagine someone intentionally infecting you with fleas? Like, who cares if they're uninfected? Like, they're fleas. Yeah, and how do you do it? You just got a pocket full of fleas and (laughs) toss them at somebody? I got a pocket full of fleas and I'm ready. (laughs) <laughs> little cellophane packet like it's glitter <laughs> flea bomb i'm gonna flea bomb someone in the mail you have a bunch of you have a balloon and a bunch of fleas and you just pop it <laughs> pop it pop it and run jesus so um something happened in 75 in long island in cape cod there was an outbreak yeah that's the outbreak that people kind of point to as the starting point for the Lyme disease epidemic in this country. Like 300,000 people get Lyme disease every year in this country. That's a whole fucking lot. Yeah. So in 75 in this in this region, Long Island, Cape Cod, it was a highly unusual event with large numbers of cal- cal- casualties, um, <laughs> higher morbidity than expected. Um, it was an uncommon disease. Was this the initial outbreak of Lyme? This was the one that led to Lyme disease being called Lyme disease. Yeah. Like we knew the the bacteria we later found out had been around for thousands of years, but this is when we officially, it was called juvenile arthritis before that, even though I think the adults could get it also. Yeah. I mean, one of the symptoms of, of Lyme can be arthritis. Yeah. So it was misdiagnosed as juvenile arthritis. And that point source outbreak part is important. What that means is a big 
cluster of the disease all in one spot. And people point to the fact that, well, there were people in the Midwest who had it. Why would it randomly spike in 75? Those ticks were angry. <laughs> These weaponized ticks, they're trying to escape because they just want to they just want to express themselves on a world tour. <laughs> the ticks world tour. Let's write that movie. You got the bad boy tick, got the slutty tick. When this outbreak happened, they reached out to old Willie Bergdorfer and they had reported all of these outbreaks of Lyme disease. And this is when Willie comes upon the Swiss agent. And at one point in his lab notes referred to the Swiss agent as Swiss agent USA. And his thinking was that this Swiss agent is what caused the outbreak in Connecticut and Long Island. And remember, that's the same folder that was empty when they went to go look at his records. In April, in his notes, he just stops referring to the Swiss agent USA altogether. Yeah. And never mentions it again. Never mentions it again. The book sort of ends that way. They weren't able to definitively prove that Willie Bergdorfer was part of spreading this from a lab, either intentionally or otherwise. It just kind of seems like he was. And I mean, that's kind of a, a frustrating detail of this conspiracy, is it? It seems like it's so close to being a thing that could be solved, but just not there yet. But I personally am not opposed to the idea that this escaped from a lab in some capacity, be it intentionally or otherwise. I mean, the, to me, the spike is evidence of that. Um, I mean, if this has been around for thousands of years and then suddenly a lot of people in one specific region are getting it and there's a, a lab nearby. So it was not far. Carry those pockets full of ticks and yeah, they could get Tick out. Bomb. Tick balloon. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that there at one point was a vaccine for Lyme disease. Yeah. And I feel like this is a whole other conspiracy theory unto itself or a conspiracy. The first and only licensed vaccine was developed by Smith Klein Beecham and licensed in 1998. And what it did is it stimulated antibodies that attacked the Lyme bacteria in the tick's gut as it fed on the human host before the bacteria was able to enter the body. So this would be a thing if you lived in an area with a high incidence of Lyme disease, you would get this. And if a tick started feeding on you, you'd be fine in most cases. Yeah, it's 78% effective in protecting against Lyme infection. So it that's better than no vaccine, yeah, obviously. It's pretty effective. And it was 100% effective at preventing asymptomatic cases. 1.5 million doses were administered, at which point the vaccine entered something called post-licensure monitoring. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's approved, but we're still watching it to make sure it's permanently approved. And part of that monitoring includes something called the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, or VAERS. And the problem with VAERS is that it accepts reports of adverse reactions from anyone, be it healthcare workers, vaccine recipients, relatives of vaccine recipients. And so that kind of information only helps if an expert analyzes it further. And what happened is between December 98 and July 2000, 905 reports were made to VAERS about adverse events after the administration of Lyme disease, and 66 were classified as serious. But after examining the reports, 
they didn't find anything unexpected or any unusual patterns of reported adverse effects. So it was in line with what everyone expected. But one of the things that was looked into during this was this idea that the vaccine actually caused arthritis, which huge problem for a vaccine that's supposed to prevent a disease that causes arthritis. (laughs) And before they could actually research that, somehow the media jumped on this story and started pumping out headlines like Lyme vaccine may cause problems and Lyme disease vaccine safety is questioned. After that, all these fucking anti-Lyme disease vaccine groups started popping up trying to get the vaccine ended. A class action lawsuit was filed. And in response to all of this, Smith, Klein, Beecham just withdrew the vaccine. They were like, fuck it. This is too much trouble. And... The problem is after all that research was done, the post-licensure data showed no difference in the incidence of chronic arthritis between those who received the vaccine and those who didn't. Oh, that's... So the vaccine worked. Yeah, that's too bad. So it was canceled before the analysis was completed? Right. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's... That sucks. I mean, 300,000 new cases a year, and they just took the vaccine off the market even though it's been proven not to cause arthritis, the initial reason why it was pulled? Right. And I didn't have time to look into all of the groups that were behind those efforts to get this vaccine pulled. But I know this is a weird comparison, but it reminds me a lot of what happened with vaping Mm. last year. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big fear campaign. It was a huge fear campaign that was directed at the wrong thing. There were all these stories about lung disease that people were getting from vaping. And every article in the main image, it was always jewel pods that they were showing in those articles. And the text of the article would be about how teens are using jewel pods at an alarming rate. And because of that kind of hysteria, we conflated this lung disease with jewel pods when it turned out. And even if you read the initial articles, it was tainted THC cartridges. Yeah, there's no THC in jewel pods. Yeah, it wasn't jewel pods that were causing it at all, but there was still this nationwide effort to restrict the sale of jewel pods, and it worked. And one of the things that people based their argument against jewel pods on was this study that was done at one point that claimed jewel pods and cigarettes have the same chemicals yeah which would be alarming because the thing we know about (laughs) cigarettes is they got like strychnine in them and fucking formaldehyde and all this crazy shit yeah but if you read the actual study what they were saying is cigarettes and jewel pods both contain the same chemicals that, for example, when you walk into an apartment building in California, there's a sign that says, hey, there might be something here that could give you cancer. Yeah, yeah. I've had that in a couple buildings Yeah, that I've lived in. That's what they meant. Which is, which is what you want to see every time you, know, you, you go home is that you might get cancer from the building you live in. It's very comforting. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, those chemicals they're referring to are in everything. Even if you don't smoke and don't use a jewel you're going to be exposed to those chemicals yeah so of course they're in cigarettes and jewel pods like that stands to reason (laughs) but the way they presented it was jewel pods and cigarettes are the same thing and they very much are not yeah and as it turned out that study was done by three doctors who all had a financial stake in the tobacco cessation industry Mm -hmm. 
Motive. Yeah, which nothing is better for quitting cigarettes than vaping. Like, it works better than anything else. Yeah. So they have a vested interest in Juul failing and being restricted. And also the smoking cessation industry is is tied to the smoking industry, right? Don't they just sort of work hand in hand? So the Juul pods would pull away from that cycle of smoking and then trying to quit, then maybe falling into smoking again. Yeah, the, the tobacco industry has no interest in an actual smoking cessation product that works yeah like they want the one that's going to keep you coming back to cigarettes so that massive campaign like basically crippled jewel like they're still they still exist but shit's hard to find and it's getting harder yeah so uh capitalism yeah i'm just curious how much of that behind the scenes shit went into this vaccine getting withdrawn and to what end because it is kind of a boon to the fucking healthcare industry if you have this chronic illness that hundreds of thousands of people get every year and they just have to keep coming back to the doctor time and time again. Meanwhile, insurance companies get to go, well, this isn't a chronic illness. You shouldn't even be at the doctor, so we don't have to pay for it. It's one of those diseases that I could see a pharmaceutical company or an insurance company being like, that's probably for the best that's out there. That'll help us make money. Yeah, it's profitable. Keeps them coming to the doctor. I mean, we all know that our healthcare system is more focused on treating the symptoms than the the underlying issue. Yeah, it always has been. You don't want to lose your customers. And I feel like to bring it back to coronavirus, I feel like we're going to see this same kind of debate whenever a coronavirus vaccine comes around because there's a lot of companies fighting to be the one to deliver that. And the company that got approved or is most vociferously approved by the U.S. government is this company called Moderna that has never successfully tested a drug and had it approved. But they claim they can have a vaccine ready by like January. So Trump was like, that sounds better than two years from now. Quote, that was his actual words. Like a simple little sales pitch. That is the perfect way to describe it. It looked like an episode of Shark Tank. He had all of these company CEOs sitting across from him at a table and had each one of them pitch their idea. And the one he went with was this Moderna company. And as that vaccine goes along more and more, I guarantee we're going to see a lot of articles questioning the safety of it. And I'm telling you now, look into the sources of those articles it could just be another vaccine company that wants to be first and those motherfuckers are playing with your lives if they're doing that kind of shit yeah it's so crazy that so much is at stake and it's an afterthought not even yeah and especially with lyme disease i can just picture people being like well it doesn't kill you so who cares but everyone i've known who's had lyme disease it it is incapacitating it is debilitating and it's maddening to feel so sick and then be told that it's in your head yeah i don't know anyone with lyme disease but i know someone with is it hashimoto's is another autoimmune disorder and she's just in pain all the fucking time like constantly and it's the same thing you go to the doctor and they're like "Mm, i don't know what can we do been around any ticks lately So, yeah, to I guess to to summarize, I believe this. I believe that this escaped from some sort of government lab. I don't know if it happened intentionally, but I can definitely see it having happened in some way. Yeah, I don't think it's far-fetched at all, you know? And it, it, even if it's not, you know, we can't sit here and say the motive was to maybe infect our own people, although 
although our government has been known to test on our own people, so maybe it was, but it just, it it makes sense to me. Yeah. It makes sense. And I, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to check that book out. Yeah. It's just, I like this explanation for it better than what a fucking mass tick rebellion in the Northeast United States. <laughs> they organized, like, right? They organized. Yeah. They're like, we're going to fuck the Northeast up. And, and that's that. Yeah. After they planned their escape as featured in Tick's World Tour Part 1, <laughs> then they get out. Tick's World Tour Part 2 is them exacting their revenge for having been locked up in that facility. And I highly recommend seeing the first one. It's not one of those those uh, <laughs> anthologies where you could just skip the first and watch the second. Don't. Yeah, no, it's like the Hunger Games. You got to be all in. Otherwise, <laughs> you won't know. So... That's our episode. This was a really good episode. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I learned a lot. You know, I just, this wasn't really on my radar until you, you know, I knew about Lyme disease, knew it was horrible, but, you know, the the source, the origin of, like, how it popped up so, like, so many cases in one area, that just, it's, it's striking. It is very striking. Yeah, I'm glad I looked into this. Just because I had heard this conspiracy, and it always sounded kind of crazy to me, too. Especially the part where, yeah, it's been around forever, so how did it come from a lab? But now, I get how it fucking came from a lab. Yeah, we, I mean, if we're, if we're stockpiling yeah. germs. Because <laughs> we had it in a lab. <laughs> Very easy. Uh, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Yeah. You um, doing any Zoom shows? Um, well, I have a, a weekly podcast, facial recognition comedy podcast, new episode every Tuesday. Um, I'm one of the hosts and, um, also just check me out on, on YouTube and Instagram. I put my own stand up and a lot of content up as well. Um, so, uh, Fizza Dasani at Fizza Dasani. Uh, I am, uh, at Adam Todd Brown on Instagram and Twitter. Don't fucking add me on facebook i don't use facebook anymore uh and also uh patreon.com slash unpops you can subscribe to the entire network or conspiracy.supercast.tech you can subscribe to just this podcast for three dollars a month that's a new thing so go out and do that and that's it Fizza, say goodbye 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 everybody we love you <laughs> <laughs>